Good morning, listeners, and welcome back to the Under the Scope podcast where we discuss music. I'm Will Brost, your host, and calling in for another classic album review, Patrick Anderson. How's it going? Pretty good. Good. Excited to do this one. Yeah, no, it's, 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 I don't know why it took us so long to do classic reviews. Like, it seems like the most obvious, like, oh, what else can we do with this podcast? And um, yeah, it took us a while, but this is our second one. And um, yeah, we would, we've we've done like three other I- ideas before we got to <laughs> this one. <laughs> we look at some of our favorite, you know, musical outlets. Like, okay, Pitchfork, they do a classic <laughs> review thing. Okay, Needle Drop does a classic review thing. Dead in Hip Hop, they do a classic review thing. What should we do on our podcast? <laughs> Hmm, I'm not sure. I a quarterly report. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and those are great. I mean, we're the only ones. Oh, yeah. yeah we're, well, all of the stuff we do is great. Oh, yeah, it's all great. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. We're owning the quarterly report corner, though. I mean, that's Pitchfork doesn't even do that. I mean, it's we're running the game on that. Yeah, so <laughs> that's true because they do reviews every day. But <laughs> oh, right, yeah, okay. So technicality, yes, they do five reviews every day. Blah blah blah, and we do four yeah, a month. Wow, big shots. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, here's Pitchfork. Yeah, big time. Um, so uh, there's a couple reasons why I picked this album to do for our classic review. Um, our first one was of Nick Drake's Pink Moon, uh, which is an album that you were already a big fan of going into, and I was a little unaware. You know, I I had never listened to Nick Drake. I wanted to kind of flip that. Uh, The Public Enemy record is more in my wheelhouse. Um, But the other reason I wanted to do this album specifically is that this year, 2018 is the 30th anniversary of the year 1988, um, which is frequently considered to be the greatest year in hip-hop's history. Um, The following albums were released that year, just to kind of give you uh, some sort of perspective. Um, NWA, Straight Outta Compton, uh, EPMD, Strictly Business, Big Daddy Kane, Long Live the Kane, uh, Great Adventures of Slick Rick, Eric B. and Rakim's Follow the Leader, uh, Boogie Down Productions, By All Means Necessary, Ultra Magnetic MC's Critical Beatdown, and, of course, the record we're discussing today, uh, Public Enemy's sophomore album entitled It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. <clears throat> Which It's all, a crazy year. Crazy year. Insane year. That and, like, 96... Uh, you know, I'm sure there's a couple other years I'm forgetting, but this is generally considered maybe the best year <clears throat> and almost surely the most impactful year. Um, there's a clear divide in pre-1988 hip-hop and post-1988. A um, <clears throat> little bit of background on Public Enemy. They're a Long Island, New York-based political hip-hop group uh, consisting of a lot of people, but most notably of uh, frontman slash rapper Chuck D, um, celebrity hype man Flavor Flav, and uh, DJ Terminator X. Um, every track on here was produced by the Bomb Squad, so I guess they're involved as well. Um, the politics expressed on their records 
and definitely this one are they're very pro-black they're anti-media and they're anti-government um pitchfork named it takes a nation the ninth best record of the 1980s rolling stone in 2003 named it the 48th greatest record ever uh which was their highest ranking hip-hop record on the list um it seems like everyone loves this album Uh, i haven't seen anything overly negative about it um they all praise this album they all mark this album as both classic and essential um i've been really curious to hear your opinion on i guess the music itself or um why whether or not you understand or perceive why it has this reputation um i guess first off did you did you enjoy listening to it yeah so i i i I totally understand why it has the reputation like even after the first listen i was like yeah like i get it this is Mm. definitely like a it's it's more of like a socially like an incredibly socially impactful statement Mm-hmm. more than anything else but the biggest thing that i was like trying to get past was like it took me a minute to really let this let it sink in because of <clears throat> mostly because of flavor flight <laughs> which i assume is probably like a thing for most people if they're listening to this album like right away yeah for sure yeah. But like but like i also get now i understand what his place is in there and it makes it really distinct like him being just this hype man that does nothing else really but just you know hype kind of breaks like this fourth wall and makes <laughs> it like makes it makes it like uh the message is that chuck d is saying a little bit more accessible because it's not like it's not like he's just you know holding it Mm. in for himself and rapping about it he's got he's got this other dude that doesn't he's not rapping he's not really contributing anything musically he's just you know he sounds like a fan basically (laughs) that's that's a good way to put it and rappers now they kind of do their own ad-libs but i kind of see flavor Flav as someone who is doing not quite ad-libs but sort of ad-libs on top of chuck d's rapping Oh, that's a good point. Uh, hype men in hip hop, they used to be more prominent. Obviously, you don't see it much now, but <clears throat> groups typically had, whether just at live shows or on records, they would have this guy who would just essentially, you know, do what Flavor Flav is doing here. Another, I guess, famous one is uh, Old Dirty Bastard for Wu Tang Clan. Yeah. Uh, Flavor Flav is probably the most famous hype man, and not just for. Uh, you know musical reasons he's obviously stayed relevant post music career whether doing his reality shows or whatnot but um but yeah i, I it, that's kind of why it took me a while to get to public enemy is because i saw them as oh this is the group with flavor Flav in it and i kind of found him annoying on vh1 or whatever so i'm like okay i'm not gonna listen to this group but, yeah but when i first listened to this um chuck d just blew me away um yeah if if he doesn't have the best rapping voice ever it's top five like minimum it, that dude yeah he sounds great over a beat yeah i was I, like i was reminded a lot of ice cubes mm-hmm. um 
aggressive, very political um, voice like early on, but he's got more, he's got even more of like a bulldog Mm. sort of uh, voice, like almost more aggression than Ice Cube does. And because it, it's like just it's it's more raw, I feel like. Yeah, it's obviously the the messages on this album are very political and very aggressive, and it just it helps to further the message when it's delivered by this bold and uh, aggressive, deep voice. Uh, it just adds more weight, I think, to the message. I think if Flavor Flav was rapping all of these lyrics, it would maybe have less of a of an impact on me but you know yeah i I digress um but you mentioned ice cube and i'm glad you did because we talk about okay what makes a record a classic you know it it, what what all and everyone has their own definition sometimes it's you know it it's an older record and i love it so it's a classic sometimes it's like okay i just listened to this it just came out today but it's flames so it's a classic you know but yeah I, i think something um, that I take into consideration is influence and impact. And um, Ice Cube is one of countless political hip-hop artists, especially more aggressive political hip-hop artists, that really can trace can be traced back to Public Enemy and more specifically what's happening on this record. Um, groups like Rage Against the Machine, Run the Jewels uh, come to mind. Some of Tupac's more political stuff comes to mind. I mean, there's just so much um, political hip-hop that maybe doesn't happen if Public Enemy doesn't happen. And I think it's important to... This is going to sound semantic, and it might. I don't have a better way to explain it. Hip-hop has always been socially conscious, where ever since Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Fives, the message. Hip-hop has always told stories of, you know, the the communities they were raised in. Um, And that kind of gets the the conscious label. But Public Enemy was one of the first, if not the first, acts to kind of have this raw anger behind it. To have this full-on, pissed-off aggression behind their music. um, Which kind of puts it into this more political territory. Um, so it, that's kind of what I think on their influence uh, musically. Yeah, so they were <clears throat> they were more like pioneers in this political mm. hip hop area, right? And right. that's why, and that's why this album, that's part of why this album is considered such a classic, I guess. Exactly, and it's kind of like um, to, to pimp a butterfly in the sense where, like, at the time, people were protesting and reciting lyrics from the record. Uh, to you know during their protests like i guess the kendrick record people were doing the uh the hook to all right as they were marching in the streets a lot of similar stuff happened at the time with public enemy as well um the other major impact i think this record and public enemy in general in general had on hip-hop is more of a sonic impact um before this record and i guess this year New York hip-hop didn't have that kind of rough and gritty personality that we often associate it with. Um, the production on this record, though, it, it it helps to establish this really cold and harsh and shrill 
menacing sound that would later come to define 90s east coast hip-hop like wu-tang or mob deep or nas or whatever uh we've always kind of associated 90s east coast hip-hop with this grittier colder sound and once again that all goes back to public enemy as well uh so it's the sonic impact in that regard combined with the the macro genre shifting impact that they had that makes this album i think a clear classic um that's kind of why i wanted to do this album and why i thought this album was deserving of an entire podcast yeah that's a yeah that's a good point i i think that um one of the biggest things that i noticed from this too like is just how like obvious the call outs of people (laughs) and organizations are Mm -hmm. on this and like how that's like i i feel like that's like not even close to what it is or it was now mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah i mean we get things here and there but like well like let's take like, take like the push a t verse like in strike yeah the adidon or yeah right so everybody i mean that it made you know headlines for it was viral for like a few days mm-hmm. everybody was like oh my god this is like the best diss of all time blah 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 and I'm like listening to this and <laughs> and like certain moments on here, like Chuck D is calling people out by name. Mm-hmm. He's calling like Tom Waits out by name <laughs> on 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 uh what is it? The uh, Yeah, sure. Um, what was that one? It's the song about uh, uh, uh can I get a can we get a witness? Yeah, yeah. About right. like the sampling and everything and like He's calling out these organizations by name and just like very bluntly and abrasively calling out their politics, calling out, you know, and it's like, that's, that was like really impressive to me and thinking about the time also and how new this was, like just how how, how much balls you had to have <laughs> to be able to do something like that. Yeah, and he's taking on like, not just people, but actively calling out big time organizations like the cia or the fbi on louder than a bomb that entire track is about you know the the government tapping your phone and he's just directly calling out and mentioning the cia the fbi um and it's it's this era of hip-hop that for better or worse was not subliminal in their aggression or their their dissing uh it was just I feel this way about someone or some group and I'm going to call them out. And I think that's why it was refreshing when a lot, uh, you know, when Pusha T came out with his verse this year is because it kind of took people back to that time in hip hop where that was more popular. Um, where it was just, it was, it was less like, dan- <clears throat> excuse me, dancing around and like little subtle messages here and there that you had to decode, I guess. Right. Like if it's Drake or someone has like a vaguely, you know a vague line about maybe he's taking shots at jay-z here or maybe he's insulting kanye but we don't really know uh, if this was public enemy he would you know they would be like fuck kanye west or whoever yeah yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. right it, there would be no ambiguity there uh it wouldn't um so that's and i think the direct nature of their lyricism helps out in the political aspect too um yeah 
it it makes the messages seem simpler but what's important with political music is that the messages reach their intended audience or people outside of their intended audience um so i have no problem with all the direct aggression on here i think it helps make the record fantastic yeah i think it's pretty amazing and i think that it's like it's it's pretty uh it's pretty genius like for the time because they knew that throwing those lyrics and throwing those direct calls out uh, call outs to the cia or the fbi would probably get them headlines or you know a negative press but they like but they i think they knew like just them getting press alone would be good for them mm-hmm. for sure because it would you know it wouldn't it would be it would it would create like a, some sort of talk where they wouldn't have because it's hip-hop and it's brand new and you know they're being overshadowed by by everybody else in the music world yeah and this is yeah to that that this is a, a point in hip-hop where um it, they were still kind of hip-hop was treated as this sort of devil's music boogeyman you know where it's like oh hip-hop is gonna they're gonna take over and then they're gonna be a bad influence on the children and all of that it was the peak of that mindset um that was yeah. around the time when parental advisory stickers on records started coming out um oh yeah so even with all of that you know when hip-hop's popularity was near its lowest public enemy still came out and they stood behind what they believed very controversial stuff that they believed and i can respect that i think that's awesome um yeah so i think that was one of the most like refreshing and interesting things because um for me because i i mean i know some about older hip-hop but i'm like i don't know a lot i wouldn't call myself like somebody that knows you know if if they were like oh what's some of your favorite older hip-hop records i'd be like i'm the wrong person to ask section 80 (laughs) uh college dropout (laughs) oh yeah have you ever listened to college dropout (laughs) those really old hip-hop records (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, but anyway, but like that's one thing that I find really interesting and refreshing about when I go back and listen to stuff like this is just that like the the amount of integrity that these artists had mm-hmm. because like they couldn't be fake with their messages at all, especially if you were doing stuff like this. Like this had to be just because you were like you really needed to get this message out there so it was like more than the music this wasn't it was that this is about the music too because i i can tell that they definitely shaped a sound but i think that the message is what was more important than anything else here this is like a political movement more than it is an album it feels like that's that's a really good point and you know maybe you're right maybe it's just that they were going to get this message out one way or another and they decided that the best way to do it was put it over catchy music and have people listen to it that way which yeah makes a lot of sense but no i I think you're right i think as good as i think the music is on here and as good as you know everyone else thinks this album is i think it's more we talk about public enemy because of the politics and their delivery of said politics more so than the music but to touch on the music a little bit um 
that 1980s hip hop gets this sort of you know deserved or undeserved negative stigma based on how primitive a lot of the production sounds uh how primitive a lot of the lyricism is um to the point where people say it's aged badly i disagree with that it definitely like records like this definitely sound like they came out in the 80s but i think it's more of just a a subgenre i can appreciate differently than i can appreciate modern hip-hop um so i was wondering if you thought how how this record has aged musically for you like do you think that do you think it sounds too old or you know what i mean yeah no i get what you're saying i i don't think it aged badly i definitely can tell that it's aged mm-hmm. you know nothing sounds like this anymore mm-hmm. um the flow is very similar throughout and it's that mm-hmm. it's that old school flow yes um it's and then the the just the production the drum beats are very they're they're more rock heavy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than uh than than what i would equate to like modern hip-hop or you know what i know as as being hip-hop mm-hmm. um but i don't i don't think that it aged badly i think that it just takes a second to get into but i understand like what people are like oh it's you know it's it's too hard to listen to because it's um repetitive or you know the lyrics are just kind of like they're they're more about like the 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 bouncy back and forth than anything else Mm -hmm. or whatever i i think i get that but i don't think that it's aged badly i think that it's got a lot of uh charm to it with that i think i'm in the same boat i i wouldn't you know be angry at someone if they were like well i don't really like this sound of hip-hop it it does sound older and not what i'm used to and that's fine um people throw around the word dated and it's always kind of in this negative way like oh this record sounds dated so implying that it's like bad or something i this record is dated but i think that isn't necessarily a bad thing um i yeah i don't really i don't really like that because it's like, and I feel like, <clears throat> I feel like hip hop gets that more than any, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, any other genre. Absolutely. Because, because hip hop goes through the quickest changes and, uh, and people are very quick to comment on, you know, what sounds old, what sounds new in the hip hop world, like rock or, um, well, I mean, let's just let's just boil everything else back down to rock, right. just for the sake of right. Yeah, you know, so like that <clears throat> that genre. I mean, you people, you show somebody like a record from Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. and they, they can tell that it's dated, but it's not their first thing. It, their first their first instinct is is not negative. Usually, it's like. Ooh, cool! This is dated. This is like, yeah, yeah this is cool. This classic rock. Dated. Yeah, yeah. Well, with hip hop, it's like, oh, this is like old hip hop. This is for old people. Yeah, that's kind of interesting to me. That is, is like, it is that, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I mean, I have that reaction immediately too. Is like, oh, this is old, and I'm like, okay, yeah, but it's you know, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. So yeah it's yeah if if a new hip-hop group tried to sound like public enemy i think there'd be a lot of criticism for them not sounding 
fresh or whatever um but among rock fans they love greta van fleet you know what i mean so th- there's this yeah right exactly <laughs> um yeah, yeah, yeah. If somebody's if somebody's trying to sound like a classic rock band it's usually praised and then if somebody's trying to sound like a tribe called quest or something mm. it's like it's like why are you trying to do that that's already been done that was the the joey badass uh when he did the 1999 mixtape it was like really we're gonna go back to that and it's like yeah, yeah right. it's like a lot of people like that sound so i i don't know um that said yeah anyway yeah. i i find yeah. that interesting but yeah so did um shoot what was i gonna say um oh i i, I wanted to talk about how i got <laughs> alerted to public enemy and this is like the the maybe the whitest way to <laughs> get into public enemy of all time <laughs> Um, I was, I was a kid. I was playing, um, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, right? Oh, man. And, um, there, that's how I listened to, like, I got into a lot of the music I listened to at the time and now because of a lot of the Tony Hawk games. Um, but (laughs) Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, there's a version of Bring the Noise where it's Chuck D's vocals and everything, but the instrumentation is done by Anthrax um oh my god yeah and you can look it up on youtube there's like a video of anthrax and public enemy together on a stage and they're doing it um so that was my first introduction to uh (laughs) public enemy i was playing that game and you know i loved that song he was saying stuff like he was supporting you know louis farrakhan and his lyrics but i had no idea at the time what any of that meant i just thought it sounded like cool. yeah <laughs> yeah right i was like okay sweet this is fun to skate to and then years down the road flavor of love comes out on vh1 and i'm like okay who is this guy he's ridiculous he has a viking hat and a clock around his neck and they yeah. say he's in public enemy and i'm like oh i think that's that Tony Hawk Pro Skater band. <laughs> and then finally, when I was in college, I'm like, okay, I'll check out this record. And truth be told, at the time, I was like, I wasn't really feeling it that much. Like, I liked it enough to keep it in my library, but I wasn't playing it all the time like that. I, the, yeah. I've never loved this record more than I loved it in the past, like, two weeks or so. Like, even when I suggested, oh. hey, we should do this. I still I liked it a lot, but I, I wasn't. It didn't like really click. It clicked when I started taking notes for this podcast, and I think it's because one, it does take a while to get used to that older style of hip hop. But two, um, I appreciate the political messages now more than I did at the time. It, it, when you understand what they're talking about and when they're where they're coming from, it adds a lot of appreciation for the record. Um, so it's just a, it, uh, the political context and my knowledge of my increasing knowledge of what hip hop was at the time uh, just kind of you know it, it put this record in a better light for me recently. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like <clears throat> I feel like that makes sense though too. Like when you're taking notes on something, you're really analyzing it. You know you start gaining a different sort of appreciation because your mind is thinking about it differently than it would if you're like just listening to it because you know you're supposed to because it's a classic record right like a a song like black steel in the hour of chaos for example which might be my just my favorite song on here period but just the 
at the time I didn't appreciate all of the storytelling that was happening on that particular song but as I've kind of dug into it it's like it's this story about uh, okay Chuck D is in jail because he doesn't want to join the army and he doesn't want to join the army because he doesn't want to defend a country that mistreats black people and yeah. I, which is something like I wouldn't have even I may have just brushed that off when I was younger but now I'm like okay that's actually a an interesting philosophy to kind of dig into um so it's just little stuff like that each song on here makes me think about you know what's what's happening in the world and you know the perspective that chuck d might have on these topics whether it's uh the crack epidemic in the 80s or the government tapping your phone or just anything the way uh fake news or i guess they call it false media at the time um how that has impacted uh everybody dated yeah right (laughs) right yeah that's the that's the other thing about this record is um all of these messages they're they still like are relevant and they ring today it's it's it makes the record great but it's sad that yeah uh, that was was what was that was what was weird listening to it for me like the first couple times i was listening through to it i was like i was thinking like okay this is gonna be like i I felt like i knew it was gonna discuss like the crack epidemic Mm -hmm. and civil rights in the 80s but i was like thinking like okay it's gonna be like a little bit more dated and social issues but there still might be some relevant stuff but like the whole thing still relevant (laughs) is is like if this was released today people would be like man this speaks exactly to what's going on in the uh in in the social in, in our social issues today and i was like geez that's so weird it's 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 sad and the, the more you look into yeah. like the kind of leaders that influence public enemy you go back and listen to their speeches and it's like right. shoot someone could give this speech today um but yeah something yeah. like don't believe the hype it's all about uh you know the media you know over sent uh, what's the word over sensationalize is that a thing yeah 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 Yeah. okay so it's all about that and then she watched channel zero is all about how television is kind of numbing everyone's minds with these these false representations of romance on television and you should be watching the important stuff like the news you know it's just like these are so cool song topics and you don't hear them much anymore but you should hear them or could hear them because they're still prominent so i don't know i yeah i wish we had more public enemies now i guess is what i'm trying to say i think it shows how ahead of their time artists like public enemy and then nwa and ice Mm -hmm. cube and you know all these people were because this is like still such a relevant message you know i i i think that we wouldn't be at the place positively now where we are if it wasn't for them but like it's also scary to think that like their message is still relevant 30 years later and it shows just how little we you know we really have progressed and like how much we need to recognize that but that's Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. it's pretty amazing to see like how socially aware they are of things and how fearless they were making stuff like this yeah i mean i just kind of you know i I didn't put much thought into their lyrics at the time but the more i think about it the more um 
the more I think intelligent and um, what's the word insightful I think they were I, I think the more I read into it the more I'm like okay these guys definitely know what they're talking about um, yeah Chuck D's lyrics read read to me like basically a political rant yeah yeah more than more than like you know a hip hop song they they basically because there's not like a lot of wordplay and I think not that a ton, maybe yeah. that's what that's maybe that's what people also are referencing when they're talking about like lyricism not being um like being aged badly or yeah. whatever because it's very like point blank like i'm talking about this the cia tapping my phone you know it's not talking it's not it's not like weaving it in and out of some clever wordplay like some sort of aesop um, rock that you know making up words to yeah <laughs> you know um but yeah it, and it's there aren't many internal rhymes or any sort of advanced rhyming techniques that we see with like kendrick lamar or whoever you know this is very uh a a b b poetry um and that doesn't click with a lot of people um but i i don't look at this record and think like oh chuck d is one of the best rappers ever because look how lyrical he is i think chuck d is one of the best rappers ever because he's i think he's expressed politics on a record better than any rapper has and he delivers it in a way that's entertaining just because of how great his voice and his flow are um that's yeah. what you got to take out or what i think people should take out of this it's not oh well they're lesser lyricists because they aren't rhyming fast or it, using creative rhyming patterns or whatever like just that's not really the point of this record and what they're trying to do with their music so yeah yeah, I I agree with that. It did take me a second to get adjusted to it too, so I understand people are like, oh, because you, you <laughs> right, got it like right. I, I feel like what what clicked, started clicking for me is whenever I pulled up lyrics and started reading the lyrics while I was listening to it, and then realizing a little bit more of like what the message is because they're saying so much on it that like you know it's hard to take in if you're not like really paying attention to it mm -hmm. and it, it and that's a lot of hip-hop now too is like a little bit more passive listening right whereas um you know there's some just there's some classic lyrics on here uh, again going back to black steel the the opening lyrics for that track um he says uh i got a letter from the government the other day i opened and read it it said they were suckers they wanted me for their army or whatever picture me giving a damn i said never uh i saw that on genius and scarface uh legendary rapper scarface actually did the annotation for that lyric and he said um everybody now just monotones uh they sound the same on every record you should be able to use your voice as an instrument chuck d was using his voice kendrick's playing the fuck out of his instrument too so dope and i'm like that's exactly right like it's the the it's almost more important not almost more important it is more important the way chuck d is delivering all of these lyrics versus you know the lyrics themselves um so there aren't a ton of quotables here but all the lyrics are hard-hitting nonetheless yeah that's a, yeah, that's a really cool point and it, and at the time 
when I first listened to this, especially from the production aspect of the instrumentation, I thought it was very primitive. Um, but there, are, mm-hmm. in doing some research for this, there are some interesting production mechanics that I don't think I've heard uh, incorporated on another rap album, at least that I've heard of. Uh, one that really jumped out to me, and I don't know why I never noticed this, but the sample that's used as the primary sample in Rebel Without a Pause, um, the reverse of that sample is the primary sample in Terminator X to the Edge of Panic. Both songs use the same sample, but the one is just reversed. Oh. And it's it's really interesting. I've never really heard that concept used in, you know, any other song. And it's just Yeah, I didn't catch that. Yeah, it's it is when we're done, listen to both of those songs again and it's um it's just it, that was a really fascinating production trick to me. And I'm sure there's a couple of others that I need to look into. Um, One thing that I that I really liked about it <clears throat> that I thought was really cool is the how they kind of go in and out of it being like a live mm-hmm. album in a way. You know what I mean? Like they'll start off a track um, with with Flavor Flav like hyping up a crowd. Yeah. Or or uh, or being or like they're blatantly being like London, how you know like that kind of thing, like they're at a live show in London mm-hmm. or something like that, and like I thought that was really cool because it's like it's uh, it it it's makes it a little it breaks like this this dynamic of it just being like a studio recorded album. I thought that was really interesting. That's a that's a good point, and it, they shift to the studio recording, but it, with still the illusion that you might be at a live show. Yeah, I think they that, have like you know, crowd noise in there at times too. Because and and that's a good move for a group like Public Enemy, who's all about getting the message out to the people, giving you know providing clips of people cheering for them, just kind of accents their point that their music is impactful. Um, yeah, right. Exactly. It shows that they're you know if you like them, you're not alone. Right, right. It's like yeah, we're rebellious, but so are <laughs> millions of other people, or however much this sold. I think it's sold like two times platinum now, or something like that. So Jeez. I mean, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of people that are behind this group. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, and it's I guess at the time of listening. This was before I ever listened to a group like Run the Jewels or something like that. But now that I have this context, I'm like, Run the Jewels owes so much to Public Enemy, you know? Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah, it's like, I mean, Run the Jewels there are is, innovative in their own right, but there is no yeah. there is no Killer Mike if there's not correct. Chuck D. Correct. Yeah, and I think Killer Mike has gone on record saying like Chuck D is one of his favorite rappers. And LP being from New York... Uh, he was influenced a lot not only by Chuck D's lyricism but by a lot of the cold production in Public Enemy. So mm. it's it, so while Public Enemy, I think they're still technically making records, but you know we're not doing classic reviews of those. Um, <laughs> it, it's important that the the kind of uh, whatever you want to call it, the the, the God damn, what am I trying to get at? Uh, it, their their sound at this time. And their style at this time, and their their ethos is what I'm trying to get at. Their ethos oh, nice. is still uh, being 
expressed by certain acts and groups today and that's what's important this kind of music is important and um it shouldn't die out i don't think there there always needs to be some sort of outlet of music that expresses the the frustrations of the underprivileged yeah that's a really good point um so question for you yeah because you might know this about more than well you probably will more than i would because i'm smarter than you yeah exactly <laughs> i mean everybody knows that oh come on <laughs> oh, um, <clears throat> so do you think that like we'll see because hip-hop is in terms of music like a very new genre still mm-hmm. i mean this could be considered one of the first hip-hop records and i don't think a lot of people outside of hip-hop historians would be like oh you're completely wrong on that mm-hmm. um do you think that like because we're talking about how people are like oh it's old it's dated that's not cool blah 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 do you think that like later on either in our you know lifetime or maybe for a little further on people will look back at this kind of stuff with like the same fondness that they Mm. look at like early rock like 70s rock or yeah like this being like a golden era for hip-hop and that being a golden era for rock and roll like um, i Mm. wonder if like if it'll it'll go that same way or if people will just forget about it yeah that's that's a it's an interesting question um i think you're seeing some of that reverence with the uh the rock and roll hall of fame they've started to add these pioneering hip-hop acts like i think public enemy themselves were inducted in 2013 and nwa has made it run dmc has made it so i think there's starting to be a little more of a general acceptance of you know like oh this is a legitimate art form for one and then also um an art form that has had a profound impact on not only music but society at large and as far as a group like public enemy i think they'll continue to be revered at the very least until the issues they're talking about are somehow resolved which you know that's a tall order um strangely though i think like 30 years from now i think people will look with more fondness upon these political and social socially conscious hip-hop acts more so than whatever's hot on the radio right now or like travis scott or whatever you know what i mean like i think something with a message like that makes it timeless in a way whereas if it's purely aesthetic or catchiness trends change and styles fade but what keeps this relevant is um the the human connection people have to this record yeah that's that's a really good point i so because like the reason i'm thinking about this is because like what we have even from the 90s i mean you have tribe and outcast and like that's that matches up with um with with today's world in terms of uh classic stuff but it's still regarded as super dated stuff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and and now i'm listening and now i'm listening to like the stuff from this compared to what we have today and i'm like what is what is it going to be like whenever we're 
you know, when we're 30 years from 2018, like what, yeah. what, what is that going to be like? Are people going to be talking about this still, or are they going to be talking about, you know, yeah, well, cause like if, if yeah. we're regarding this as a, what is our stuff going to sound like? <laughs> cause our, our stuff, like there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot more of uh, forgettable hip hop now than there is like this kind of stuff where there's this meaningful message that sort of like, yeah is timeless it's weird because like i guess rock kind of started getting popular in the 50s and we we look back and almost universally agree like oh the 1970s that's when rock was at its best but 30 years from now are we going to still regard 1988 as one of the best years or is like 2012 going to be reviewed as like the golden era of hip-hop like it's really weird Uh, like i part of me thinks we're living in maybe the best time in hip-hop history just because of the amount of high quality stuff that's coming out but but that might i don't know i don't know how this music we're listening to now is going to age maybe it all ages very poorly maybe the trap era it gets this sort of embarrassing disco label attached to it in the future. It's it's really interesting to kind of think about all that though. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I was just I was thinking about that because I I started thinking about like you know the comparisons to classic rock versus classic hip hop and how different they are. And then I just I started going down that and it was like I don't know. It'll be interesting to see like how stuff like this is viewed. even further down the road like you know like i view like 50s uh rock and roll like i mean that's old stuff. that is old stuff yeah that's i can't even get into most of that yeah to to me it's like i can listen to it and be like oh i see but like i can't listen to it casually that's something i can't do (laughs) 70s rock and roll i can do so that makes me think like man it's like 30 years from now is it going to be like that where people are like okay i get it but like i can't listen to public enemy that is way too old and i think i think you do see a lot of that with the younger kids like they'll go back and it's like oh according to this list rock him is one of the best rappers ever and then they listen to it and they're like well he doesn't sound all that great compared to what i'm used to and maybe he doesn't yeah. but it's kind of tangentially related i give rock fans a lot of crap for different things but at least they they honor and respect like the legends of the genre um whereas i think in hip-hop you get a lot of like oh well it this sounds trash this sounds old this sounds simple but it's they don't acknowledge like the impact that artists like rakim and whoever have had in the same way that led zeppelin gets their credit i I don't know it's kind of weird like yeah, their fa- their favorite rapper wouldn't exist without some of these older artists, and they kind of get brushed aside because I-, I don't know. It- it's this weird hip hop dynamic. It's a lot more. It's a lot more disposable. Right. Yeah. And that's that's like what that's what like the kind of the shitty thing is about it because it's it's you know I, it, it feels like maybe maybe artists like Public Enemy and NWA maybe they just get forgotten about. Yeah, you know, I want to think that you know, I want to think that hip hop historians and like real deep fans who keep it alive, but like that can only go for so long. Yeah, and so I, it's weird. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't know, because even 
even in the rock world, like you we're talking about like how that stuff is like super old, but people still talk about Elvis and Chuck Berry and Yeah. You know, yeah. Like it's it's not like those names are completely forgotten, but if you even if I even said the words, you know, I if I if I asked a kid like a thirteen year old kid like oh do you know who Ice Cube is they'd be like oh yeah that guy that does those movies with Kevin Hart <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, no you're no you're right and you know I'm trying to think who's like the most iconic hip hop artist from that era and I'm it, I'm having a hard time. It, thinking of like a good maybe like ll cool j or someone you know what i mean like it's it's really yeah. hard to find that guy but i don't know it's um it's it's weird. yeah anyway i i don't know i was just i was just wanting to see what your opinion was on that yeah it's uh i don't know it, it my view on i guess hip-hop from that era in general is that it doesn't get the respect that it deserves from younger people but something i haven't even mentioned until now it leads to a lot of old school dad backpackers talking about how rap post 1996 doesn't even matter like that there's that side of the fence too where it's like okay public enemies real hip-hop and someone like travis scott isn't that's not real hip-hop you know that's true there's those guys too but you know i i think if uh you know, both the old school and the new school kind of meet each other in the middle, then that's when I think you start to get this sort of um, respect for really anybody, old or new, in hip-hop. So Yeah, that's true. Because I don't mind the amount of progression that hip-hop goes through. I think it's the it, it, it's one of the most interesting genres there are because of how fast it evolves. So fast. So yeah, fast. and 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 that it's really interesting because it's like every hip hop artist is in like a race against time, and they can see their they can see their career like slipping away from them like almost as soon as they start it. Right, and and trends change fast, which is why like people were calling this a classic, and it was only like 1994 or whatever, and why people are calling. 808s and heartbreak a classic now or like take care is a classic to a lot of people just because the impact happens so fast in hip-hop that yeah it's it's almost immediate um so i i kind of see that i mean just how this is 30 years old and in that time from that time to now we've had you know the public enemy old school era we've had the the west coast east coast 90s era we've had the bling era we had the ringtone era the trap era you know just it it changes so fast like i don't know i don't know it's interesting though it makes being a fan of the genre fun because you don't know what's going to happen next though i feel like we've been in trap for a while now i'm wondering if how long that sounds gonna stick around before we right i know like if we're talking about like somebody saying like hey three years from now where do you think hip-hop is gonna be like you got me like i have no idea it could be some of this more psychedelic stuff we're hearing lately i don't know i mean it could be yeah it could be anything it could be uh you know just rap features on country rap uh, you know country songs like we've heard too it could be that i don't know it could be anything could be death rap just I don't know. It could be death grips. It won't. It won't be death grips. Just it's everyone is just death grips. Um, 
I don't know. That's it's an interesting question. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. Did, did you have anything else? It, Sorry. Well, I was just gonna say if if somebody asked me like, hey, where do you think indie rock's gonna be in three years? I'm like, same fucking place. <laughs> yeah. <that's been laughs> like, oh, here's here's my prediction. Indie rock in 2021. Uh, there will be a group that tries to sound like the Strokes, uh, a group that's trying to do Kid A, uh, and a, a second band that's trying to sound like the Strokes, and that's where indie music's going to be, and, and that's what's going to happen. Big, and 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 another big breakout group that sounds eerily close to Arcade Fire. <laughs> yes, yes, and then uh, a group that you know they're indie because they got the blog hype but they're really not that different than what you hear on top 40 you know what i mean there's going to be a, another Gautier or <laughs> right, right. like hosier or whoever Damn. yeah it, there's going to be someone like that uh, and that's indie music that's the thing <laughs> that's the thing that makes me makes me a little uh depressed that i don't listen to hip-hop more than i do because I listen to hip hop, but I don't. I definitely don't listen to it to the extent that you do, or like somebody that's a real hip hop fan does. It makes me kind of sad. I'm like, damn, this is like the most interesting genre, and I'm like stuck listening to the same fucking indie artist <laughs> over and over again. I will say that the thing with hip hop too that I I love it because it does change a lot. Um, yeah. And and the genre gets rewarded, or artists in the genre get rewarded when they do try to change things as opposed to like you know if foo fighters do something new then there's a lot of criticism but if they make the same record for the 20th time oh it's a great record again like right. even though yeah, they're not doing is, anything is, new they're doing something yeah. we've heard since the 60s and we're okay with it you know what i mean it, yeah it's really right weird. exactly they're so afraid then, of change but because pe- yeah people would be like oh yeah this is this is foo fire sounding just like blah 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 right. you know whatever yeah. like yeah and they're like oh yeah that's what i wanted to hear yeah it, you're right. it, exactly hip-hop it, hip-hop has always been very shameless about like artists have always been very shameless about like um like if you if you want to listen to old my old stuff go listen to it like i'm right. not going to that's literally a jay-z then, lyric yeah right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah and that like that's it's i have a lot of respect for that and that's there's more integrity i feel like in sound in the hip-hop well yes and no yeah but you know what i mean like i i think like to its core there's more integrity in uh sound to hip-hop artists than there is in almost any genre yeah i i that's part of the reason why it's one of my favorite well it is my favorite genre and i don't know if i'm coming at this just because i'm a hip-hop fan and i don't know any better in other genres but it you know, does '90s rock sound all that different than rock we're listening to now, or country, or anything? You know, right. It's or like, does has metal changed that much over the past twenty? Oh God, years? for sure not metal. Yeah, right. You know, something like that. Whereas I mean, hip hop, you can point to like, oh, this is my favorite era of hip hop, or this is my, you know what I mean? So I don't yeah. know. That's part of what makes it so interesting and captivating to me. But yeah. Yeah, that that's a that, good good conversation. Uh, that was a good question. Yeah, I don't yeah. even remember what the question was, but uh, good question. I don't know. We just we just got off on yeah. some sort of tangent there. Well, good thing that's how podcasts go. So that's that's good. Exactly. Yeah, it'd be a shame if we just talked for twenty minutes about a conversation on a podcast. That's 
you know that's kind of the point so good job by us on that just like a a, a severely scripted podcast okay and now on to the next question yes. uh, this conversation begins with this yeah no um so yeah did you have any any well any final thoughts before we get to our final thoughts segment <laughs> <coughs> Um, I don't know. No, not really. I mean, I think that we've, we, I've pretty much said, yeah, I've said all I need to say on that. Okay. Well, um, what about, what about you? No. Do you have anything you want to tell me? <laughs> no, I just, I just want to <laughs> say of these, like just looking at this track list, damn near like every song on here, I really like, but more importantly, there's so many bona fide classic songs like Bring the Noise, Black Steel, Rebel Without a Pause, Louder Than a Bomb. These are like some of the most iconic Ooh. songs in the genre's history. And the fact that we have them all together on one record is amazing. And it's amazing considering that Public Enemy's most iconic song, Fight the Power, is not even on this record. It's, um, it, it, yeah. Yeah, that they have, um, a couple of other classic records, um, most notably Fear of a Black Planet, uh, isn't held in the same regard as this record, but it's considered a, an essential classic in its own right. So this isn't just a one-trick pony where everything came right for one album. This is legitimately one of the greatest groups in the genre's history. So Public Enemy yeah. doesn't get enough credit from people our age, uh, but the people who know, they they're, they know. They know. Yeah, if yeah, that, that is a good point, though. The, uh, the like, amount of depth to this record is really ridiculous. That's that's one thing that I definitely noticed is there's not there's no real lack of of content at any point right. in the in the album. It's a very like, fulfilling, I, satisfying listen for sure. Yeah, and it's very. I mean, it's 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 very cohesive, and it's but it doesn't it doesn't get dreary at all because the message is so um abrasive and direct like throughout the entire record and it's and, it, and it's about all sorts of different things so it's you know it's it's fascinating yeah i agree and um uh, one last thing a minor thing that's why i saved it to the end but I do like playing uh, Show Them What You Got for people who have never heard it before, and then them mm. watching them realize that Jay-Z just took that entire song and made a song out of it. That's always, right, a, little, yeah, yeah. It's always a little fascinating to me. It's like, oh, that's that song! Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it is. It is. Good eye. So, Yeah, that's that, that was a cool thing for me to realize, too. And that's always a cool thing for me to realize in hip-hop is like, and I feel like that's, like, I have that same thing with a lot of other people too is you listen to like a lot of kanye stuff or jay-z stuff mm. or um you know like a lot of other like modern rappers too like they'll you know they take little things here and there from these older groups and you don't notice like you don't you don't realize right. it while you're listening to it and then you'll go back and listen to it and it's like an, a straight sample like it's directly from that and you're like wait i'm that's kanye west that's it, you yeah, know whatever it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing uh, like i mean yeah. the, the far side have interpolated this the roots 
uh, Kanye West, Everything I Am, that hook yeah. is from Bring the Noise. It, it's just, when you hear it, it's like, oh, I know what that's for. Oh, you know, it's just so, Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So that's, satisfying. That's something, that's something that hip-hop does that no other genre does. Right. It's like, that they is homage. so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's no. That's yeah. really cool. I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, for sure. Yeah, I really, I really like that a lot. That's one of my favorite things when I listen to these kind of older hip hop records. Is like you'll always hear that because they're one of the first. They're pioneers, so they're the first people to do stuff like that. So people paying homage to it is like such a cool thing to realize. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I guess I can. I can go to my final thoughts. I suppose. Um, or how about I'll, I'll talk first this time because this is since I'm well, the fine. newbie to this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that since, makes sense. Since, yeah, since I'm the newbie to this, and you can close out and you can tell me like why you're, you're um, <laughs> why I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm talking. About. <laughs> I, I think I'll be a little nicer than that, but let, let, let's see. <laughs> you're like okay. <laughs> All right, disregard Patrick's entire monologue here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now that we're done with that. <laughs> anyone hear anything yeah no all right all right your Um, final thoughts so anyway i am really happy that you decided to pick this for your uh for your classic review because i always want to get into um older hip-hop early hip-hop and um and I always tell myself, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to listen to that. I'm gonna... And it's always a thing where I, you know, I, I find other things. I find other <laughs> ambient music or metal or <laughs> or the same indie artist to, like, listen to <laughs> instead of instead of older hip hop, <laughs> which are all three, like, the whitest songs <laughs> I, I could possibly be listening to instead of this. <laughs> But, um, but, but yeah, so like you recommending this or on your, for your classic review was like, okay, cool. I'll be able to listen to it. But it also makes me realize like, I don't need to be like, I, I, I really should just give this more credit because this is such an, like listening to this older stuff gives me so much more of an appreciation for the genre, for the stuff that I currently listen to in hip hop. Um, for the for the modern hip hop that I uh, currently listen to, um, because this stuff is, I mean, it it this is the most interesting stuff to me because it's the basically the start of what we have now, and you can see the progression um, at its at its p or sorry at its genesis with mm-hmm. with artists like Public Enemy and this album. Um, so I'm like I'm really happy that you recommended it for that reason because then this gave me a little bit of like the fire to be like ooh now I want to now I want to go back and listen to this and this and check out these you know and mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff so um, yeah the album itself I mean I it was really kind of difficult at first for me to get into I knew that this was a good album like listening through because it's I mean it's pretty obvious like this thing is uh, I mean just listening to the messages on like on the surface from the first listen you can tell that there's some real meaning behind it but it's it is hard I, I would say for somebody like me who isn't as well versed in 
especially in older hip hop to get into because it the sound does sound dated mm-hmm. but and and <laughs> flavor flavor is like a little <laughs> bit hard to it's that voice i think it's, that's really what it is it's just the voice is like geez but um but yeah like listening to through to it more and like really being like okay let's take this for what it is and like really really think about it and and listen to it and yeah, like even even having flavor flavor like hit the seeing his meaning in in it, it makes it like actually really cool like who he is he's just like this really energetic guy that brings the message to the people because he's like super excited about this really harsh harsh abrasive political shit that chuck d is talking about mm-hmm. i think that that's really cool um yeah the the production on uh, songs like bring the noise on don't believe the hype um louder than a bomb can we get a witness uh like you said rebel without a pause and black steel i mean get, there's so many mm-hmm. songs in here that i thought were really really cool i also really liked the terminator x to the edge of panic mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. thought i thought that that was really really cool um yeah it's it's all really cool it shows like how much teamwork and effort um there really was behind behind hip-hop like this and yeah yeah i'm just i'm i I was i was excited to to listen through to this over the past week good yeah 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 no that's that's good i'm glad i'm glad you got a lot out of it because this is i mean it's it's not you know in my pantheon of favorite hip-hop records ever but it's it's getting closer the more i listen to it um yeah so pardon me for going through this list one more time but i I really have to illustrate this whole 1988 thing again we got the best records from uh, we got nwa's best record public enemy's best record slick rick's best record big daddy kane's best record um eric b and rock kim's second best record epmd's best record boogie down productions second best record Ultramagnetic MC's best record, though the Ultramatic, the the frontman for Ultramatic, Ultramagnetic, excuse me, <laughs> Cool Keith was the frontman for Ultramagnetic MC's. He's had better albums in the future. Shout out to Doctor Octagonicologist. But the point is, a lot of the most important hip hop figures in history released either their best or their second best record all in the same year, and with that despite that public enemies record still stands out um if it's not the best in the group it's the second best behind straight out of compton for a lot of people um it takes a nation of millions to hold us back is not only a kick-ass album name it's one of the most Mm -hmm. influential one of the most important one of the most acclaimed hip-hop records ever um subjectively to me it gets better and better the more i listen to it um the appeal of this record is it's pretty obvious you know like you said you kind of got it on your first listen um just because of how brash and in your face it is but the older i've gotten the more i've appreciated the uh the political messages and just the overall aesthetic now that i kind of get what hip-hop was at the time 
at a time when hip-hop was frequently like non-confrontational public enemy just kicked the door in and said fuck the cia or whatever you know they they led a wave of aggressive political hip-hop music that hasn't totally died down yet you know you still have groups like run the jewels or someone like immortal technique or um yeah i guess run the jewel solo stuff as well uh kendrick lamar's doing political stuff there's still this wave of political hip-hop that hasn't died down and should not die down um they established a a rougher grittier style of new york hip-hop that came to define my favorite subgenre in music just 1990s new york hip-hop from Nas to Biggie to Wu-Tang, all of that. Um, this record, uh, it, it sounds like it was recorded in the 80s, right? That said, fortunately and unfortunately, uh, I think this album has aged pretty well. Uh, fortunately, because I think it still sounds great. Unfortunately, because these songs are still relevant socially. Um, so it's it's easily a classic. It's a it's an absolute hip hop essential. Um, if you could only check out like ten albums in the history of hip hop to kind of give you an idea of what the genre is and has been, this is one of those ten records. Um, check it out if you haven't yet, and you're listening to this podcast. Go listen to it. Um, I love this record. Nice. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Far too kind. And um, now that you've gotten maybe the most important take on Public Enemy being the take from two privileged white men from right. from who gives a shit Missouri, um, now that you have our important that's perspective... That's the only one that matters. Yeah, who cares what <laughs> anyone else has to say? I thought it's this... Just, yeah. It's just like Public Enemy would want exactly they they want you to discover their music through tony hawk pro skater like that's the ideal (laughs) with the the instrumentation from anthrax seriously go i actually i'm gonna send you that link in the group chat after this because it's just hilarious because i can't the beautiful thing about it is i can't tell if they're actually on stage together or if both groups are like photoshopped onto a green screen (laughs) it's 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 so weird but yeah bring the noise with anthrax and it sounds great i love it (laughs) but it's just so funny um so eminem released an album out of the blue and that's our next podcast Mm -hmm. i'm not even gonna you know try to fancy it up and hide it like we might not do it we're doing that podcast it's going to be a lot of fun um mm-hmm. yeah thank you all for listening to this podcast um check out our podcast in the future check out our podcast in the pat and the ba- uh, whatever past excuse me <laughs> that <laughs> we have a whole catalog check, check it out. out just check it out. yeah keep it we have like 50 episodes or something like that we're we're out here we're out here we're so. doing pretty good we got a good we got a good uh backlog of of podcasts going on right now the backlog yes we are (laughs) Um, the almighty backlog yes uh so so thank you for listening we'll see you next time bye-bye